From the Capital City, I'm Kevin Allen. The Capital City Republican women held a GOP forum for a select group of candidates to succeed the late Don Young on Monday night. The Juno group invited five candidates, former Governor Sarah Palin, former Senator John Coghill, Senator Josh Revac, Nick Bagage III, and Tara Sweeney. Former Governor Palin did not attend the event, which was held at the Baranoff Hotel. As a matter of introduction, each candidate was asked why they are running. Coghill spoke first to the question, as posed by moderator Benjamin Brown. Most recently, 22 years in the state legislature. And uh, of those years, uh, I've learned uh, several things. There's a lot of people in Alaska getting up every morning to make Alaska work, and I appreciate that. The other thing I've learned is that you have to get along with people and still maintain the integrity of what you believe. I've been able to do that over a 22-year period. So uh, when people say, I can do that, uh, that's fine. I can say, I've done that, and we'll continue to do that. So the experience that I have is probably going to be the best thing I have to bring to the table at this point. Sweeney, the former Assistant Secretary of the Interior for Indian Affairs, said, I'm running for the United States congressional seat because I believe Alaska needs uh, effective leadership in Washington, D.C. And uh, I grew up in rural Alaska. That has helped shape my perspective and the type of leadership uh, that, that I exercise in my daily professional life. And that is one of collaboration and bringing people together. Uh, what we're hearing across the state is that people have political fatigue and they're tired and they want uh, leadership to start bringing Alaskans back together. Revac, a state senator and former staffer to Young, received applause after his answer. Serving the military, I think that's a, I think that's a real good qualifier. Um, but also worked for Congress for eight years, worked for Congressman Young, worked for Senator Sullivan, and then served in the state legislature for the past uh, four years. Uh, I think experience is real important. Military service certainly matters. Um, and aside from that, I think, you know, I, I was just thinking about this. I think if, if there's four of us up on the stage, and if imagine if us four were the final four in the general. I think Alaska would win. Yeah. Nick Baggage III said he is a conservative, despite a last name consistently connected to Democrat politics in the state. I was raised conservative. People ask me, how in the heck does a Baggage become a conservative Republican? Well, that's how he was raised that way. And uh, my grandparents, Bible Belt conservatives from uh, Boot Hill, Missouri, K-12 Christian school, went to Baylor, uh, undergrad, and got a degree in business. And business is where I spent my career. I went and worked in investor relations for a publicly traded company and uh, was the interface between executive management and Wall Street analysts. Ballots were mailed beginning on April 27th. In the special election, you will vote for just one candidate and you must return your ballot by June 11th. Your ballot must include your signature, an identifier, and a witness signature. Early and absentee in-person voting is available at select locations beginning May 27th. You can hand-deliver your ballot now to any of the five regional offices in Juneau, Anchorage, Wasilla, Fairbanks, and Nome. Alaska State Troopers say the body of a seven-year-old boy who has been missing for over a week was found Sunday near Kodiak. Troopers say two people recreating in the Pillar Mountain area found the body of Sawyer Sapola. The agency says there was no obvious signs of foul play identified by troopers at the scene. 
The investigation into the boy's death continues and an autopsy will be conducted. The Kodiak boy went missing on May 7th, prompting law enforcement, military, first responders, and about 2,500 volunteers to search an area covering more than 15 square miles. The U.S. Department of Justice announced Monday the sentencing of a Wasilla man who killed a harbor seal using a AR-15-style firearm. According to court documents, 41-year-old Paul Gill shot at and killed a harbor seal using the firearm in the waters of Prince William Sound in October 2017. He then transported the dead seal to his residence where he was photographed skinning the seal. A National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration biologist identified the animal in the photograph as a harbor seal, which is a marine mammal protected under the Marine Mammal Protection Act. NOAA confirmed that Gill was not authorized to take a marine mammal. Gill was sentenced to two years probation, 100 hours of community service, a hunting restriction, abandonment of his interest in a firearm, and a $1,500 fine after pleading guilty to violating the Marine Mammal Protection Act. The Senate Judiciary Committee heard House Bill 325 Monday. The bill would modify existing state laws related to domestic violence and crimes involving domestic violence to mean a crime against the person, burglary, criminal trespass, arson, violation of protective order, harassment, and cruelty to animals. It would include using technology to harass. Representative Sarah Rasmussen is a sponsor of the bill. Crystal Keeneman is a staffer to Representative Rasmussen. She spoke to why the change to state law is needed. There are many different aspects to how somebody can be victimized. And it's in all forms, whether it's physical violence, emotional abuse, uh, sending of photos, these, these types of things, it's really hard for the victims. And so to give them some peace to get a restraining order because it, it may not be necessarily them. It may be their children who are affected by this as well. And it was important to the sponsor as well as the victim community to, to include this in the domestic violence statutes in order to trigger the restraining order in order to help prevent any physical violence that may ensue. Senator Jesse Keel inquired about the bill to Deputy Attorney General John Skidmore. It sounds like the, in addition to the things you listed, the, the other commonality might be the elements of, of isolating the victim and of, of using this to control the victim. Can you just speak generally about how those play in with the broader um, nature of domestic violence? Skidmore responded by saying this about the prosecutions of domestic violence in the state. Part of my role as the Deputy Attorney General is I also happen to sit on the Council of Domestic Violence and Sexual Assault. And having prosecuted domestic violence for the last 25 years, the things that we're taught is that domestic violence is really about a cycle of control and manipulation. And it's not simply about the physical violence, it's about all of the other ways in which a perpetrator is trying to control and manipulate that person that they were in some sort of relationship for some period of time. And it goes in cycles. So uh, you'll see that it'll build up to something and then there'll be a reconciliation. Sometimes it comes back down again, but it seems to cycle back around. Deputy Attorney General John Skidmore, a bill regarding microreactors in the state, Senate Bill 177, has passed. According to a release from the governor's office, electric utilities considering micromodular reactors can now move forward with their projects. Communities within Alaska will have complete control over the use of microreactors. 
During debate, the issue of nuclear accidents was raised by Representative Calvin Schrage, who said this about safety concerns. The topic of safety and explosions came up. Uh, you know, I'd like to note that, again, when we think of Three Mile or Fukushima or Chernobyl, every one of those requires active cooling, and in every instance the issue was caused or at least added to by human error. One of the great things about the microreactors is that they have passive cooling technology, so that greatly reduces the risk of anything uh, happening that, that would result in an explosion or nuclear fallout or otherwise. And uh, God forbid that were to happen. Uh, we're talking a, a few hundred feet, less than an acre. Uh, again, this is uh, not the nuclear reactors or, or nuclear power plants that we think of uh, in the past. Microreactors have the potential to complement other energy sources in rural and urban Alaska by providing heat and power with periods between refueling or replacement of up to 10 years or more. The University of Alaska Board of Regents has authorized President Pat Pitney to implement the best and final offer and are asking legislators for a faculty pay raise. In an unanimous vote Monday morning, the University of Alaska Board took the action of authorizing President Pitney to implement the administration's best and final offer with United Academics, the faculty union. The action follows deadlock negotiations and an unsuccessful effort to reach agreement in federal mediation, resulting in an impasse. Pitney spoke on the move during a news conference. I recommended to the Board of Regents to unilaterally implement UA's last and best offer uh, for the United Academic Contract. And this is an unusual step for sure, but the, with the legislative session rapidly coming to an end, it was their only way um, to get the monetary terms in front of the legislature this session. The package includes a wage increase of 3% in FY23, 2.5% in FY24, and 2% in 25, as well as an adjustment to the pension wage base that requires an additional contribution of 765 per person per year. These provisions, these monetary provisions, were above the 2% annual increases that were originally planned and beyond the comfort level of some of our board members. Importantly, this offer is consistent with other Alaska public employee agreements that are going to the legislature this year. They said that the union's compensation position, by contrast, would cost more than $70 million, more than four times the university's offer, and was viewed by the board as unsustainable. So the monetary terms of the upcoming fiscal years and the current fiscal year is now in the hands of the legislature for funding. Pitney said she is optimistic. With graduation season upon us and employers planning to hire 31.6% more graduates from the class of 2022 than they did from the class of 2021, the personal finance website WalletHub has released its report on 2022's best and worst places to start a career. Tacoma, Washington has the highest monthly average starting salary, adjusted for cost of living, at $4,724, which is 2.8 times higher than in Juneau the city with the lowest at 1669 And where does WalletHub say are the best and worst places to start a career? Salt Lake City, Utah, ranked as the number one best place, while Anchorage was one of the worst, and far down the list at number 173. Juneau came in at 172. WalletHub compared more than 180 U.S. cities based on 27 indicators of career friendliness. 
The data ranged from the availability of entry-level jobs to monthly average starting salary to household affordability. The Southeast Alaska Business Climate Survey for this year is out. The annual survey gauges the economic health of the Southeast Alaska business sector. The survey is being hosted by the Southeast Conference in partnership with a number of entities. Executive Director Robert Venable spoke to the survey. In order to get really accurate information about the, the business climate, you need to talk to business owners and executives. And so we send out a survey every year. We generally get about 400 or more responses that really identify what the, uh, the hurdles and barriers are that business owners are seeing for investment, kind of gauging how much they're investing, what some of the challenges are for employment. He says the data will then be used by policymakers. Those sort of things that really tell the story that then gets used by local, state, and federal policymakers as they're trying to understand what the needs are in any particular community or region. Individuals can participate in the survey by going to secconference.org. The city and borough of Juneau will be holding a public meeting at the Lemon Creek Eagles Edge Playground today to discuss improvements for next year. The city, along with Respec and Corvus Design, is hosting the public meeting at the playground today at 6 p.m. to discuss new and possible improvements to, to the park. The city plans to improve accessibility, install upgraded safety surfacing, repair and replace current playground equipment, and reconfigure play equipment to better utilize space. The public meeting is an opportunity for residents to provide input on park upgrades such as new play equipment, area usage, and other design considerations. Personnel from Coast Guard Maritime Safety and Security Teams and Sector Juno will conduct waterborne missions in Petersburg and Wrangell June through August. Mission goals include search and rescue, recreational and commercial vessel safety, and the protection of Alaska's living marine resources. Kicking off the season, Coast Guard inspectors will conduct inspections in Petersburg from May 17th through the 20th to ensure the maritime community is prepared for a safe and successful season on the water. Personnel will be providing commercial fishing and charter vessel exams. Sign-up information will be located in the Harbor Master's office. The Coast Guard will maintain a regular presence on the water and conduct boardings at sea with two 29-foot response boat crews. Sea Alaska Heritage will hold a grand opening for the Sea Alaska Heritage Arts Campus in June during its biannual Dance and Culture Festival celebration. The opening will include the unveiling of the new Sea Alaska Cultural Values Totem Pole, a rare and massive piece carved on all sides and the first one of its kind in Juneau. The totem, made by Haida artist T.J. Young with assistance from Clinkin and Simpson Carvers, will represent all three tribes of Southeast and the four core cultural values that guide Sea Alaska Heritage programs. The event will mark a milestone in Sea Alaska Heritage's quest to make Juneau the Northwest Coast Arts Capital and to declare Northwest Coast Arts a national treasure, said Sea Alaska Heritage President Rosita Worrell. The grand opening is slated for June 8th. Sea Alaska Heritage welcomes the public to attend, and the event will be live-streamed as well. Never miss a story or a newscast at keinyradio.com. Now you're up to date. For News of the North, this is Kevin Allen.